folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch the baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Hey everyone, Matthew Collar here. We'll get into the show in just a second, but first got to tell you about Abner Maris, a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, a dad to two little girls. Beloved by Abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Maris, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer he is today. He will discuss the state of boxing, sports, music, culture, and his American dream. Listen to On the Hook with Abner Maris wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English out on Tuesdays and episodes in Spanish are out on Wednesdays. All right, let's get to the show. Welcome to another Let's React to What the Heck Happened Against the Atlanta Falcons for the Minnesota Vikings podcast. Matthew Collar here along with ESPN's Courtney Cronin. And Courtney, we wanted to wait until after Mike Zimmer talked just in case Zimmer came out and said, sorry guys, I'm going to go work for the Cowboys now or something. But that didn't happen. We also wanted to see what we might learn about the temperature of the team from Mike Zimmer That didn't really happen. We did get a mini symposium on why the corners have not been very good, uh, which was interesting, but not exactly what we expected from the Monday press conference after one of the, if not the worst loss of the Mike Zimmer era. Yeah, and I, and I thought about it as I kind of parsed through what Zim said in 12 minutes, uh, the Monday of a bye week. Obviously, not the way you want to start out a bye week. If you get a win, you're two and four, and you say, okay you know, X, Y, Z needs to yep. change. And then we can enjoy four days off and we can come back ready to hit the grind and, and, you know, start out the second half at green Bay. Um, but obviously the one thing I've noticed, and people have said this to me coming out of his press conference yesterday, I have never seen him that dejected. Yes, like typically he can get defensive. He can get snippy, um, especially after a tough loss. And if you don't ask the question the right way, you're going to get your head chewed off. But like, even yesterday, just like honestly like depressed that's how that's that's the attitude that i had coming from mike zimmer just of like i don't know what to do like and that's even after that rams loss in 2018 where he admitted he didn't know what he had to do and he was going to have to go back to the drawing board there was a different tone to that one mm-hmm. this is kind of like it reads to me of 
buckle up because it's going to be a very long 10 more weeks of this thing because it's probably going to be a very similar result 10 more games um, under their belt. And so, yeah, there really wasn't much to learn. Um, Obviously, I know people have been kind of on, you know, the watch. Like, are there going to be changes made? Mm -hmm. Is it going to happen today? Because today would be the most logical day for it to happen. And never say never, but I feel like if nothing happens on a Monday – there's no, it's not going to happen this week. And, you know, you know, ownership was at the game yesterday and then they fly back and you got to wonder what they're thinking because the way that your team no showed against that team. And I've spoken with people about this, the optics that the Vikings quit yesterday is is a very real feeling shared by people in that building right now. Um, And that looked like a team that just gave up, honestly. Um, And that's got to weigh on the head coach a lot. In terms of Mike Zimmer getting his team to continue to push forth, uh, the most concerning thing I thought was he said, my message all week to them was, hey, do not Mm -hmm. take the Atlanta Falcons lightly. They just fired their coach. They're going to be, his exact words were, they're going to be trying to prove it wasn't them (laughs) for the Yeah which I think is a uh, blunt but also probably true thing that players do after someone gets fired. It's like, hey, my job might be on the line too, and hey, let's make sure everybody knows it was Dan Quinn's fault, that he was a bad coach. Let's win it for Raheem Morris. And so he had that message all week to them, let's come out fast. He decides to accept the kickoff because I would assume they've had some hot starts on these opening drives and scored touchdowns, but also let's get out in front of the Atlanta Falcons. Let's demoralize them right away with a good drive. And the first play is an interception and the entire offensive performance Um, Of course, the defense kind of looked like it usually looks, but over 80 plays, it just gets worse and worse and worse. But the offensive performance to have as many good players as they do and a veteran quarterback like they do to come out and throw three interceptions on plays where Kirk said he usually would make that mistake in year one. It just had this completely deflated, like you said, not defiant, not like, hey, we only lost by one or whatever or not anything other than wow, that was bad, and we didn't look like we were really putting in the old college try. It it looked like a get-your-coach-fired type of game. Yeah, and I mean, what Zimmer said about what he saw Kirk repeatedly doing wrong is that it was, you know, he he locked in on certain reads, and everything was, the the crux of it was that there were some predetermined throws yesterday. Um, that stuff is elementary. Like, that makes me think back to what Adam Thielen said. This is, we're kind of at the read between the lines type point of the year. When I asked him yesterday, well, why can't you sustain drives? And he kind of, like, thought about it. He's like, well, it's this, it's that, it's this, it's that. And then it's, you know, we're not getting open to give Kirk easy throws. This is not a rookie quarterback, Matthew. Like, we're not talking about somebody who just got here. This is somebody who's been in the league as a starter since 2015. Um and is pay, being paid a bazillion dollars to, to do this job like an elite quarterback, yet you're having to dumb everything down for him to make him comfortable? Like, what what are we doing here? And, you know, I asked Zimmer, uh, you know, kind of the one time I actually know an answer to my question, but I'm curious what he had to say. Like, you know, he doesn't think that predetermined throws have been an issue for Kirk. That's Zimmer falling on the sword right there. They have absolutely been an issue for Kirk since he's been here. He throws to a spot. That is what he does. That's why 
He's a half-field read quarterback, which you typically do with somebody when you have training wheels on them. But the fact that we're doing this all these years later, three years into his Vikings career, um, you know, year six now, what, as a starter? Like, that's a problem. And I just, as we talk about moving this thing forward to 2021 and beyond, because I think it's fair to say, like, this year's a wash. Like, you need to start figuring out what do you do? Do you start playing a bunch of young players? Do you show the vets the door? Do you, um, you know, what, what, what are your plans for 2021? Well, if you're thinking about Kirk Cousins and trying to get out of this, the, the argument is fair. I think that you need to start seriously looking at this because if you have a quarterback who's, you know, one of 32 starters and he's making predetermined throws that, you know, like what, what was the Deion Jones or whatever the guy is, the linebacker who, who yeah, had the first yeah. interception said, yeah, he threw it right to me. Because they're right to really that's good. not not good, and that's really because good. that's because I mean, yeah, it was Jefferson running an over route, whatever. But like he's throwing it to a spot, he can't change. He he's, he doesn't work well apparently with like being able to change things on the flyer, adjust on the flyer, you know, adjust where your read goes. And you've heard Kirk say that. I just go where my reads take me. Yep. I just go where my reads take me, and that's can be good and bad in this instance and all the other losses that they've had because of some interceptions and turnovers and all that it's because of that so the, the Kirk conversation is just going to be ongoing forever um, yeah. but what is happening this year specifically in comparison to last year and even to 2018 in some ways is really interesting I mean he has a profile that looks like statistically like Jameis Winston last year. Mm -hmm. Like he's leading the NFL in yards per completion. So he's successfully throwing the ball downfield. We've seen that a bunch of different times this year, but he's also turning it over like crazy. He's got 10 interceptions, which leads the NFL. He's getting sacked a lot. It's only six games in and he's already been sacked half as many times as he was all of last year. He's completing a lower percentage of his passes and it just feels so much different, I guess, than it did last year where he was not turning the ball over and he was playing things safe, but he was also playing from ahead a lot. And I think that we've realized that the weaknesses of Kirk Cousins, I mean, one of the biggest ones is when he has to play from behind, and I don't mean play from behind as in here come the stats when he's down 30. I mean play from behind as in the other team's shutting down your run. You're getting into third down situations. You're in a close game with a good defense, which was not the case against Atlanta. But, I mean, just you're not winning in the game where you can be in favorable down and distance all the time. That opposing teams have always known how to fool him with their schemes how to slow him down, how to cause his turnovers. I mean, this is a league where a lot of quarterbacks do not get double-digit interceptions, and of the last six seasons, he's had double digits five times. So, I mean, he's always kind of turned the ball over quite a bit, um, and I think that this is specifically kind of laid out for what the worst scenario would be to put Kirk Cousins in, where your interior doesn't block for a guy that doesn't move or run around, and then you are in a lot of down and distance, a lot of situations where you're your defense is struggling. You're playing from behind. This is what happened to him in Washington so many times where it yeah. was close games and they'd be down 10 and he'd be playing from drop back passing. He'd have the worst mistake. And then they're playing from down 17 and then, okay, now he starts putting up the numbers and it's too little too late. I think anybody who was in DC for those years with him there saw this same issue. And so you've signed yourself a quarterback who is very, very expensive, who needs 
this type of specific circumstance of 2019 and the schedule of 2019 to go right. But what was, I guess, really striking about yesterday was how simple, like you said, those interceptions really were. But then I I went back to Chicago 2018, where the interception um, that really cost them was the same sort of thing. So this has always been an issue for him is that little, uh, you know, I don't know, glitch or blip in the processing. And so now, I mean, you have 90% of Twitter is asking, how can you get out from under him? And the answer is, it's very, very hard. Yeah, and that's like look, like because I will I will own it in what I have no issue with it, but like I've gotten a lot of um a lot of discourse uh on Twitter. I I called for him to be benched yesterday for the second half. I said that that's it. Like after that third interception, which it, you could tell it was coming. Like it was just so yes, the ball was tipped, whatever. Like in that circumstance, he's not the quarterback who's going to be able to lead you back from, you know, a 20-0 deficit. He has not shown that he can do that over his career. So when the pressure is that big, he's just not going to be in a good situation, good position. And here's my thought on this, because I have a lot. Um, so I'm not calling for him to I'm – re, I'm a realist. Like, I'm not, you know, I understand cap implications. I understand optics. And they're a big thing for people trying to keep their jobs, i.e. Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer. Um when I asked them yesterday, you know, if he was considering making a switch just to be able to give your offense some life, because it was clear as day that the offense was not responding to Kirk every time they went on the field, and he was, he's just never going to be comfortable behind that offensive line until you have Trent Williams and, you know, Rodney Harrison and other Pro Bowl players, and like a long, you know, this all star studded five. I just don't think Kirk's, you're going to get great play out of Kirk when you're in a drop back situation. Like, he's not a shotgun quarterback. We've learned that. Um, but when I asked him about it, he, he responded very quickly. No, he didn't consider pulling him and putting Sean Mannion in the game. I understand it to a degree. And there's a lot of layers here that I'd love to work with you through. Um, but like you can, and, and this is, this is me in my opinion. I feel like Zim has just been chomping at the bit to be like, yeah, like, obviously I want to pull him, but I can't be, it's my job. I will literally be out the door in a day because ownership will be like, we just gave this guy a $66 million extension. What the hell do you mean he's not the quarterback of this team and hit, he's sitting on the bench right now? What? You, the optics of that are horrendous. The optics of that are, hey, here's my resignation paper. It was a great seven years here. Rick Spielman, same thing, loved it, 2006 to now, learned a lot time to go. Guys are not going to do that, but I can understand the frustration of this fan base because you see this play repeatedly, and it's almost like you know he's never going to get benched because he is the starting quarterback, and he's under contract through 2022 with a contract that is going to be incredibly difficult for them to get out of without admitting we screwed up. So, you know, I think it's a situation where, you know, when Zim's going through it today and saying, yeah, it was predetermined throws, keeping his answers real tight, real close to the vest. There's a lot more there. Um, Kirk is on the verge potentially of costing people their jobs by the way that he's playing. And I think for a head coach um, who's trying to, you know, stay, he's in survival mode right now. Spielman is consistently in a state of survival mode. It feels like his entire career. Um, I think it's probably a pretty unsettling place to be just knowing how badly Kirk played yesterday because Yesterday, to be to be completely fair, yesterday is not the true Kirk Cousins. It really isn't. But you're good. Like he he's better than the way he played yesterday. We know that, right? But 
that Kirk that showed up yesterday rears its ugly head way too many times, and it comes up unexpectedly, and you never know when it's coming, and you don't know how to maintain it because once it's there, it's gonna it's gonna wreck your entire day. Yeah, I have but- never seen them be able to overcome play like that at quarterback when he's been the quarterback um, since he's been here. It has not because they don't have a defense right now to be able to do that. I think of this first six games of Kirk Cousins as the encapsulation of everything that is Kirk Cousins, that he's had great games against good teams that they haven't won. He's had very, very poor, complete no-show games against good teams that they haven't won. He had a really, really excellent game against the bad team that he won. And he had the what the hell was that against the really bad team that he lost. Those are all the games that usually happen with Kirk Cousins. It's just normally we see this play out where there's a bunch of Washington football team and New York Giants and bad Philadelphia Eagles and they're mixed in that he wins and puts up big numbers. But the way that this first six games of the schedule has played out, it has not been very favorable to Kirk Cousins. And then, of course, as you mentioned, when the defense isn't good, when the offensive line isn't good, when there really are only two people to throw to, um, he hit Irv Smith for a big play at one point yesterday, but has not been looking there enough, has not been looking to Kyle Rudolph enough when there isn't the run game. It's like all the things that can take apart Kirk Cousins have taken apart Kirk Cousins. And one of the issues is that there's so many things that can take apart Kirk Cousins Mm -hmm. that it's very, very hard to win double-digit games with him. And I'm going to make a comparison, and then I've got a little thought experiment for you. I'm going to make a comparison that I think might have, if I said it six months ago, made people very upset, but I think if I say it now, it will make sense. I covered Kyle Orton in Buffalo. Mm -hmm. Kyle Orton was a 500 career quarterback in about the same amount of games as Kirk Cousins. And Kirk Cousins, uh, I mean, Kyle Orton, when he came to Buffalo, At first, they had some really good games, and he had some, I mean, terrific performances. And then it kind of came apart because the weaknesses showed up and some things went wrong, and there were some injuries, and the defense didn't play that well. And uh, all of a sudden, he ends up at the end of the year as a 500 quarterback. And I see it the same way as, like, teams would talk themselves into Kyle Orton and then talk themselves out of Kyle Orton as they saw the Mm -hmm. bigger sample and all the things that could lead to him not being good enough. And I feel the same way about Kirk Cousins. Now, what I want to know from you is your opinion on this, because I think we've reached the point to officially go back to 2018 when they signed Kirk Cousins and say, this has not worked. This has not been a complete and utter bust. You got a playoff win out of it. But if you told people that after 2017, your three seasons would be a massive disappointment, uh, one playoff win in the wild card round, and a one in five start, you would say, I don't sign up for that. I do not sign up for that at all. And Mike Zimmer said, if we pick the wrong quarterback, I'm going to get fired. And boy, are we close at this yeah. moment. No, it so, feels like it. So back at that time, you and I debated it a lot. I, I'm not trying to say, hey, I was right, whatever. But I didn't like what I saw from Cousins in the, in the Washington accumulation. I saw a lot of this. And so I thought, okay, other options. Alex Smith draft Lamar Jackson, keep Teddy Bridgewater and Case Keenum, um, get Ryan Tannehill was another option that was out there at that time. Even Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is, uh, I guess, playing pretty well for the Miami Dolphins. Like, how do we relitigate now the Kirk Cousins era and the decision that they made in 2018? And could they have seen this coming? 
I think you could have seen this coming because you had three seasons of him as a starter to go off of with, and you can't tell me, I mean, he, first off that one year, he had a terrific offensive line. They go nine and seven. Um, that was the ceiling for him. And you can't tell me he didn't have good play callers. He had Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay at points. Like he had good people around him the whole time. That one year that he had Deshaun Jackson, Pierre Garçon, um, Jordan. Yeah. What's his name? Jordan. Uh, uh, Jordan Reed Reed and Davis. Yeah. Yeah, Like, I mean, everything was perfect. It's just like, I just don't think you can, this is not the quarterback to take you to a Super Bowl. I don't think anybody has ever been like on the train for like, yes, Kirk Cousins is the guy. Like, I everything I've written, and it's not just like, you know, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like, everything I've written about has been like, oh, okay, these are what – I don't necessarily agree with it, but this is what's going to happen. Point being, after that New Orleans game, I wrote my Monday follow coming out of the wild card round was Kirk Cousins did enough to earn himself an extension because that's what ownership was telling you. That's what you were hearing from the front office. That's what you're hearing from your coaching staff and, you know, your agent and people around you that you just got to get the big one. You didn't have a playoff win. Do one thing you never did before. Boom, extension. I don't agree with it, but we knew it was going to happen because all the things lined up that had not essentially been promised, but for lack of a better term, promised to him had he been able to check these boxes. Um And maybe for Kirk, it's just slow progression, but I'm sorry, you're 32. Like you're not, you know – when you talk about going back to 2018, he talks about year zero and being able to get better in 2019 um, and, you know, marginal progress. Like, you don't have time to go from really bad to one playoff win to two playoff wins to three. It just, it's just not linear like that. Like, right. and you're, you're just not thinking realistically if you think it is because this is a, this is a league where the unknown is constantly happening. You're going to be dealing with injuries. You're going to be dealing with regression. You're going to be dealing with, you know, players who just, you know, go through periods where they're just not very good and they're struggling. And I think that he can't overcome that on his own. So you brought a guy in here and yes, they never, they were so calculated. They never actually said we are a missing piece away, but this franchise for years before Kirk Cousins for years operated with the belief Based on their actions, maybe not they didn't say, maybe didn't say it specifically, but they have operated on the belief that they are a player away from the Super Bowl, and they always say, "Well, you can't actually do that and expect to win." Well, then why are you doing it? Because that's the way that this is operated, and just based on some of the contracts and the blind loyalty and all the stuff that just makes you shake your head and say, "What are you doing?" Everybody else saw it. How could you not see it? So, like that, but you know. I think you can really truly say, yeah, they thought they were a piece away with Kirk Cousins because that is how that's all the rhetoric around them. Well, that phrase smartly in a way, but like just, you know, read between the lines, but that phrase has never come out of my, of Mike Zimmer, Rick Spielman's mouth. And even Kirk Cousins, I remember, I think it was CT asked him a question, like, are you going to win a Super Bowl? Like, you know, when you, when not that opening press conference and Kirk, did not Kirk has never set himself up for failure with those expectations. He said that he hoped that this would be the last place he plays football, meaning this contract, next contract, maybe another one, whatever, but never actually said, I am here to win a Lombardi trophy. He's smart. He's calculated the way to do it. It was very clear though. Like you said, that that was the thinking that if you just get a little better. Now there was one point where I think Mike Zimmer said when the defense doesn't play well, like in Philadelphia, we need a quarterback who can 
you know, compete with that, who can win a shootout, which um, has not really been the case since Kirk Cousins has been here. And I, I think they just overestimated how much they could elevate Kirk Cousins, that we see this a lot where they'll look at the good parts of a player and they'll say, well, all we need to do is just mitigate some of the bad parts and then we'll have a great player. And a lot of times by the time you're 30 years old, you can't do that. The other point is that by 2018, as weird as it feels, you were already to the other side of the mountain. And that's what maybe they didn't realize. And, and uh, you know, I was talking with Brian Murphy about 2010, and it's the same sort of thing is that you just think, oh, well, we'll put all the pieces back together and then we'll put Favre back in there and we'll have the same results. And And it was just never really the case because some of the things that went right for you and some of the pieces that worked perfectly in place did not work again in 2018. So let me um, ask this. If we were to go back and do it again, how do we think those other options play out? Like, do they play out the exact same way? If you bring back Teddy, if you have Alex Smith as your quarterback, if you draft Lamar Jackson, if you whatever one you like, like what is there an option of those that they should have seen as the better option? I go back and forth with this all the time thinking, okay, Teddy's knee doesn't explode. What happens? Well, I, you drive yourself crazy playing revisionist history at the time they were told by their own medical people that the knee was not good. And, you know, that's why, you know, he was – remember Teddy was on the Jets for a little bit? Like, I think that's yeah, kind of like the most yeah, underrated yeah. part of this whole yep. thing is, like, well, he signed as a free yep. agent to join the Jets. And I think back, I'm like, damn, God, he escaped a, a really bad situation. <laughs> yeah, um, good thing you lost the job there yeah, and ended he, up in New Orleans. Yeah, Exactly. But he – um, I don't know. It, it, would the right thing of the the – the most, um, I guess, like the least financial restraining thing to do would have been to keep Case, to keep Teddy, let him battle it out. Because either way, playing into another part of my Kirk Cousins discussion that got me, um, you know, some good discourse on Twitter, you'd have a viable backup because you sure as hell don't have one now. Um, and I think that that's, you know, you rolled the dice. This is the choice that all six of them that were in that room Saturday, you know, after Filippo got here, um, and, you know, they all were meeting of the mind because they wanted to make a decision before going to the combine and all that stuff. You know, they all decided that this was the way to go because, you know, and it, and it kind of does now in hindsight, and even then it kind of felt like knee-jerk reaction. It wasn't as knee-jerk reaction as the Jaguars giving Bortles that massive deal, <laughs> yeah. um, like, you know, three weeks before free agency. But, you know, I just – I honestly don't know, like, how – you know, if they were really certain Teddy was not going to be who he was, like how you just, you don't really have a crystal ball. Like you don't you can't tell completely. So like I can't fault them for that. But the hubris is just like what kills me because it's like we watched every throw of this guy. Yes. Spielman said that. Yes, like, he did. Yep. are you kidding me? If you watched every throw, well, what the hell are you seeing that I'm not? <laughs> like, is that I, I'm not a, a talent evaluator, but like my goodness. If you thought that that was worth $84 million and that's what the market called for, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't buy it. Like, you know, I think that they're in a situation where they can play the hindsight game all they want. What they're stuck with is Kirk Cousins. But like, how do you get out of this? 
want to remind you to go to SodaStick.com to get your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. If you have not seen this stuff yet, you've got to check it out. One of my favorite designs is of the Metrodome. I have a t-shirt of this one myself, and it's perfect for those of you who grew up going to the Metrodome. All of their apparel is screen-printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. And we're going to hook you up with free shipping on your next order. Use code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. That's SodaStick, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. Code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. So um, let's just go through the scenarios. Um, The Alex Smith one is tough because they wanted – a lot of money and a player like Alex wanted a, an extension, which Washington gave him. And of course, you know, he gets hurt. What are you going to do? Um, but Alex Smith and Mike Zimmer, I think would have been a great pair. This is one yeah. of the things that I come back to for why this didn't work is the pairing of the head coach and the quarterback. You have a head coach who wants to win with defense and running the ball. You have a quarterback who I think is high variance. Um, so his highs are very high, his lows are very low. And what you want is to click into that, like with a Jameis, where if you know Jameis is hot, then boy, he's going to have a great time. And if he's cold, it's going to be ugly. But um, you're trying to hit the highs very high. And they never really did that. Like the offensive line this against Atlanta was a joke. Again, again, with the interior of the offensive line. People wondering about Ezra Cleveland. Well, the PFF numbers reveal bad, super bad. Five <laughs> pressures, as bad of yeah. grades as Drew Samia, bad. Probably what you would expect yep. for a rookie playing out of position all because they yep. didn't want to move Dakota Dozier, according to Mike Zimmer. What does that tell you? Yeah, uh, and Dakota Dozier, bad. So when you look at um, the moves – so, you know, you, you get Kirk Cousins, and your first thing you do is draft a corner, okay? Uh, then the second thing you do in the draft the next year is you draft a run-blocking center who cannot block powerful defensive linemen where a lot of the pass rush in the NFL is coming for now, okay? You finally draft another receiver for Kirk Cousins, but you trade your receiver away. I saw an article about how you know, the, the Diggs Jefferson trade has been even. Here's why it's not even because you could have had Jefferson anyway. You could have had Diggs and Jefferson. That was a thing you could have done and you didn't. So instead you traded one away. So you've never really fully played into that. If you wanted a quarterback who needed to protect the football, be a great human being and just run and not turn it over and play defense to win, that human being was Alex Smith a leader and someone who's widely respected, somebody who Patrick Mahomes thanked seconds after he won the Super Bowl, like that was your guy. If you wanted a Teddy lookalike, it was Alex Smith. If you didn't think that Teddy was going to uh, recover. The other thing was that you didn't know for sure that Teddy wasn't going to recover and he didn't cost that much money to keep around. And the Lamar Jackson thing too is like, look, I mean, it's great that you drafted a corner. Those guys are valuable. You should draft them. We never hated on Mike Hughes or anything like the pick. Okay, maybe you should have taken a guard, but look, you know, Mike Hughes corner, fine. Good, good draft profile, all those things. But when you have a quarterback who looks like a, you know, incredible athlete who could do a lot of different things if he develops that sort of thing and was really special in college and you uh, don't value that enough. Um, that's where I go. I mean, the guy was on the board and we could be talking about a very different situation right now. If Lamar Jackson is your quarterback, 
And, uh, you know, even with the Packers, like you could justify, I didn't like the prospect Jordan Love, but you could, pro- you could like justify why they would want to do that because it's the most valuable position and you should have an answer there. So I, I think that there are a lot of situations where they end up with the same results. If Teddy is forced in with this team, he might get them to the playoffs in 2018, but I don't know because he's really had to come a long way to get to where he is right now. Um, but in terms of being set up better for the future or a better pairing with Mike Zimmer, I think that there were better options than Kirk Cousins, and I think you could have seen it then. Well, there's and it's anybody who knows the situation knows that Zimmer has to treat him with kid gloves. Like that is because you don't want to break this guy's confidence because otherwise he's going to start seeing ghosts or he's going to outsmart himself or things like that. And you even saw it yesterday just because, you know, it, it's blatantly obvious that you need to dumb this game down for him to, to a certain level. I mean, he can make hella accurate throws for real. Like he really can, but it's also a matter of how does he get into those situations? You need to be able to help him with his reads and make it as simple as possible. He's not somebody who, you know, I'm just saying he's not somebody who's going to like be able to uplift your team and carry them on its back and all that other stuff. So, I mean, you know, at that point, I think that you going with somebody that Zimmer knew, and I know that Zim wanted to keep Teddy around. I mean, that was his guy. Like, mm-hmm. but, you know, they all hedged their careers on Kirk Cousins thinking, okay, maybe a change of scenery. I mean, Washington must have kind of liked him because they did pay him all that money on the franchise tag instead of letting him walk. Like, he kind of liked him, right? Like, so saying, okay, we can, you know, that's the arrogance of we can fix it we can make it better. And it's like, can you? Because you sure, you sure didn't. Like, and I don't really know, like, like bringing back to your point, you asked me at the top of the show, like about, you know, this is all they have to show for it. Um, and some people, like, I don't know. It's not enough. It wouldn't be enough if it was Kirk or if it was anybody else to, to what you have in this three year span. Like I'm an all or nothing type person. I really am. And I know how difficult it is to win a Super Bowl and to get there, but this type of move, you thought you were a player away. And so you acted upon that, and it literally, at, at what expense? At the expense of the rest of your roster? At the expense of handicapping yourself to a player that's going to cost people their jobs? And you're going to have to start over anyways. What's the point? Like, that's what I stress out about Like when I think about it. It's like, you guys are going to have to concede defeat here very soon. How much longer do you want to make this go, like, get dragged out? And that that is a key point because I get questions on this. I'm sure you do too all the time. I think it's going on for a long time because the cap yeah. situation, if they cut him, is tremendously bad. Like well, I, just, I'm not literally... sure. I don't know how you feel the team bad if you cut him next year. Like it's a forty. The way I'm reading it, it's a forty-one million dollar dead cap hit if they cut him uh, next year. So. What like what are you supposed to do there? Who's trading for Kirk Cousins right now is another question. Who's doing that? Like what team is calling and saying give us Kirk Cousins? Uh, and also like is Rick Spielman the one trading him? Because I think you just if you're him you have to double down on the hey 2021 was always going to be the year. I think you've got to really go hard on that one. Um, so yeah, he he. I don't I think they think can that... see defeat on this anytime soon. I think Kirk Cousins is your quarterback for a while. Unless you are literally going to try to shake something up and do the, you know, pull a 180 here and you'd cut him before the third day of the league year next year because that's when his 2022 base salary 
um, the guarantee of that becomes it, it guaranteed at inju- for injury only at signing. But you That's still have to pay the cap million. hit for 2021. Correct. But, like, at some point, dude, you've got to be like, look, we are sorry, Wilf family. Like, or, or maybe even the Wilfs would force him into doing that anyways because this is not working. And the way – like – Honestly, though, it's just it's it's amazing to me how the structure of this contract, like why they even agreed to it in the first place. Like, if you let him play out this year, and this is a guy who says I love it here in Minnesota, like I want, you know, I hope this is my last team, giving you all the hints, like he's not gonna want to like pick up and go somewhere else. Like, he's not gonna want to go to the Jets. Like, I mean, clearly more money was on the table, and he left it in 2018 to come here. Yep. So, you know, I think you roll the dice and try to call his bluff. Let's say he has a good season this year, and you want to resign him, assuming that you didn't like do what you did in March, which I was thought was ill advised. Um, then you're in a situation where you can either pay him, and yeah, it might be a little bit more expensive, but that's just the nature of this business, and that's the nature of the position. Or you can like be like scot free, goodbye, thank you for three memorable years. Don't call us, we'll call you, send you a Christmas card or something like. <laughs> You know, that's what it would have been. But they got so scared that he was going to be so great this year because Kubiak, like, was around and everything was going to be great. He's going to pick up, write it back up, that he was going to be, he was going to outprice himself from what they could afford. Um, And now they're handicapped to him. Now they're literally handcuffed to him for, it's people's jobs, it's people's careers. And like you were saying, I mean, the cap hit alone next year is $31 And then it goes up to forty. Five million in 2022. So you've got a situation where you're probably going to be restructuring him next year, anyways. And it's like, oh my goodness, how many more years of this? Like, I think this is the thing that frustrates players, fans, whomever. Where it's like, we can see how the next 40 or so games are going to go mm. because that's about two years, right? And that's scary. How that is a scary it? place right. to be in because it doesn't feel. It kind of it, it, the the thoughts of hopelessness and like. Oh, we're stuck. Like, I know, sorry, I know, I know it's not Christmas time, but I was just thinking of like a Christmas carol where you're shown your future, and then he's like, "I don't want that future. Here's a turkey, Tiny Tim." Like that's <laughs> like that's what we're we're like uh, the ghosts of Christmas future right now on this podcast for the Vikings. Oh, Vikings, you will go eight and eight in 2021, and everyone will get fired. Like that's that's us right now. But it, I honestly think the only way to remedy this is to fire everybody. The Wolves would have to be like clean house, and then new guy come in, you can get rid of Kirk. So the uh, get rid of Kirk thing, by the way, if they traded him tomorrow, that's the only way they make this mildly manageable for their salary cap, so far as I can tell. Because, Who wants to trade for that contract? Right. That would be the issue. Someone brought up Dallas. I'm like, uh, don't they already have Andy Dalton who's exactly like this guy? I mean, that's another problem, too, is when you start going through these other quarterbacks, and this is where it looks worse, is when you start saying, like, is he better than Derek Carr? God, I don't know. Is he better than Andy Dalton? I'm not sure. Like they they all, is he better than Kyle Orton? Like probably, but they have the same career record and a lot of the same tendencies. And that's where you get yourself spun up into, uh, I think for, for fans, a great deal of frustration is when you look at the other quarterbacks who are like him, none of them cost this much and none of them have contracts that were done by the God agent 
who, oh my gosh, manage my life, Mike McCartney. You are incredible. Like this is the best contract I've ever seen for a player, but that is means it's the worst for a team. So um, trading him would still be a $20 million cap hit next year if they trade him today. That's really, really rough. Um, yeah. Speaking of that, speaking of that, because this will continue to be a conversation. Want to play a game? Sure, let's play a game. Let's try to like lighten the mood a little bit because this is depressing. Do 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 do. Who would you trade? That's the game. <laughs> Are we talking trade deadline? Yes, trade deadline. Okay, or, I'm I mean, all for like, it. Again, tomorrow is fine because they don't play before the trade deadline. So, who would you trade if you're the Vikings? If I'm the Vikings, if but it's like what situation? Am I conceding? Okay. Next year's going to be a rebuild, too, so I'm just trying to unload assets. Am I conceding that, hey, I'm going to have to cut Kirk Cousins, so I'm going to have to try to get some cap space elsewhere and, like, not incur all these financial burdens? I don't know. What situation am I in? You have to figure out who you are going to go forward with after this year for in terms mm-hmm. of the trades. There's only, like, five names that you could possibly move. Um, so maybe the game is you tell me – uh, the percentage chance that the person gets traded. Okay. So like uh, Riley Reef. Yeah. He's my number one. Okay. Like, What's his percentage chance he gets traded? Put it at 60. Like that you have Ezra Cleveland, you know that, I mean, Riley Reef has played really good this year. Like I, I know that people love to like act like he's like the worst offensive lineman ever. I mean, he's an above average offensive lineman and you know what? The tackles have not been the problem mm-hmm. whatsoever. So if you're going to play Ezra Cleveland at guard, um, I don't think that's going to happen long-term. I think he is your franchise left tackle, assuming he knows how to play left tackle still, considering you screwed him up and you made him play guard. Um, I say go ahead, get it done now. Yep, just put because, Ezra because you're cutting it, left tackle. Yeah, you're right. cutting Riley Reef anyways. Like, he's not on the roster next year, so go ahead, do yeah. it. You want, if, you, if you have to, you know, for ownership's sake, if you need to start playing players to show, hey – Mm-hmm. Remember this? Re- remember this rebuild we told you about? Yep. Like, look, we're doing it. We're rebuilding in real time. Like, here's all the young players we're playing. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. For me personally, can't travel to games this year. It's been weird, so I've been watching all the Vikings games from home on the road, just like you have. Pepsi is the refresh that you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it, or in my case, those who cover it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Even though sports had a break, your business did not. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring even more important than ever, and Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going 
going to get you the important hire that you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. Try Indeed with free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December. The trade is done for you, too, because Tennessee's left tackle, Taylor mm-hmm. Lewan tore his ACL. He's out for the year. They're a and they're a good team. Just make the move. I mean, just make just yeah. make that trade. Take whatever Tennessee will give you. Um, don't accept contagious things that they might give you, but just uh, whatever trade assets that Tennessee will – I mean, third-round pick, fourth-round pick, it doesn't matter. Get something for Riley Reef. Uh, I agree, 60%, 70%. I, I say it's pretty high, and if I'm Riley Reef, I want to go somewhere and try to win. So, yeah. Uh, Kyle Rudolph, interesting one to me. Kyle Rudolph. You know, he – I get the tweets about, oh, his family is here and stuff. Like, oh, great. I mean, there's lots of NFL players with lots of families everywhere. I don't think that makes any difference at all. Didn't Jason Zucker just do the same thing, too? Like, yeah, I know he's a Minnesota staple. No one cares at the end of the day. Right. Business part of this. I hate when people make that argument. I mean – you can have more than one house if you got a lot of money. Right. Like it's not right. hard. Right. Are the are the Vikings saying to Kyle Rudolph like, "Oh, sorry. I mean, I know that you have like charitable work in town, so we can't trade you for a pick." Like, no, they're going to do that. Um, but with Rudolph, uh, I still think that he has value, and they haven't taken advantage of that value. And somebody else. Um, the New England Patriots, for example, that don't have enough people to throw to, I think should send a third-round pick or a fourth-round pick to the Vikings for Kyle Rudolph. Yeah, because, I mean, his cap hit remains somewhat consistent just in terms of where it goes up from here, 7.6 next year, uh, 8.4, 9.8. So, like, they're probably in an event where they're going to have to restructure him anyways coming past this year. So I'll put him probably at, like, a 40% chance. Uh, of getting traded I just think people like have a hard time thinking about it because his guys played here forever um and sometimes I think it's just hard for fans to be able to move on from like oh wait I can't imagine him in another jersey well nobody could imagine Diggs in another jersey until it happened so right yep yep exactly the same way and uh if you're not going to use them then just trade them um and they have not really used them since Kirk Cousins got here uh to his most effective I think um so now this is where it gets a little more interesting. Uh, Anthony Harris is pretty expensive for another team to trade for, but Anthony Harris to Cleveland makes a ton of sense. They're competing. Their safeties have been awful, and they wanted him anyway. Yeah, but it's like, you know, what cost? They wanted him. The Vikings were trying to be – they got a little greedy. Same the Giants wanted him too, and the Vikings were like, oh, we're not taking that. Well, things now don't change. With him. Yeah, so I'd say for for I mean Anthony's not on this roster next year as it is, so I'd say maybe like a seventy percent chance for him. Okay. Sorry, people what, people what, then what, would be like, well, what do you do with like all your you don't have any safeties? Well, you're not good anyways. So just play Josh Metellus, sign somebody else. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. What percentage did you give Rudolph? Did I ask? Uh, Rudolph, I gave forty. Okay, so you think there's a better chance he doesn't get traded? I yeah I yeah probably. Okay, now here's where the ones get a little more. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Harrison Smith, percentage chance he gets traded. I mean, if you trade him, your your defense is falling apart. Like it's going to be worse than it is. I, mean, I don't know. Can it be worse? You just gave up forty to the Atlanta Falcons. 
I mean, I honestly think it Does it be. matter if it's worse? Does it, it help matter. if it's worse? It helps but if it's, it's worse. I think it's better if it's worse. Well, yeah, it helps your draft positioning probably because you're losing a billion games. I'd probably say I, I'll give him a solid 45% chance. Um, I know that there have been talks, you know, recently just about, like, what his contract restructure would look like for next year. So I think that it could be on the table, but I'd also lean towards more of it not being on the table. Now, the last one is Hunter. Um now, this one is interesting to me. Remember, like, last year or even, what, like, eight or nine months ago when we were talking um, and we were thinking about, okay, how do you get to a tag of Iloa? Trade, you know, Hunter right. and your first-round pick to try to move up to get him. Like, is there a scenario that I could see that happening for better draft positioning? Maybe not now, but once he's healthy in the offseason and a team that's going to want to give him the price tag that mm. – or pay the price tag that he's worth because he certainly is due an extension or a restructure really needs to be paid more. And if the Vikings are, if they cut cousins, for example, and they have to incur all that, and they're like, well, how are you going to pay Daniel Hunter? You can't. Um, that one's tough for me. I would say I'll put him at like a 30% chance for wow. now, but like beyond this season, I would up it to maybe a 50% chance because wow. I think that's really surprising. I think financially there are – trust me, they don't want to get rid of him. But, like, it, I'm I'm thinking about this in the long-term sense of, like, if you have to pull the trigger on – or pull the plug on Cousins, um, you're going to be in financial hell. I know that's just, like – that's just what it is. And then it's like, okay, then you're really truly in the rebuild, and you'd be, like, unloading assets, I think. So that's one that I would unload because you could get a lot for him because he's so damn good. That one would really surprise me if they. It would. It would. It was. It's more of a bold take from me. I think the other four are very realistic. But if you're thinking about veterans and yes, he's injured, but you know, I think some of the injury stuff right now and also like kind of where he stands with everything is is probably a lot because he doesn't want to come back and risk re-injury when his contract is the way it is. Now, how about Ngakwe? Trade him. Yeah. Well, this got him. <laughs> I know. I know. But the problem is that he's going to be very expensive and he's. Yeah, but you don't have to. I mean, you don't have to pay him. Let him walk. No, no, you can franchise tag him and then let him walk. I mean, you could franchise tag him for 2021. That's most likely. But if someone came to you and offered a second round pick, would you take it? Yes, of course. Absolutely. Because you your franchise tag is going to be massive. Mm-hmm. Had the least resistance, but Man, they could really set this thing aflame. Like, I, I, don't you think it would be the most exciting thing to happen to the Vikings since the NFC Championship if they traded all these people? Like, say, yeah. because you can't trade them on IR. But, like, if they traded all of these veterans and the roster was entirely new people, I mean, not, you know, not cousins, but we'll see well, what they do in the offseason. Okay. Wouldn't that be the most exciting thing to happen in a long time? Of course, people. I think there are a lot of people who want to see stuff blown up and be like, let's go. Let's try something else. But here's my thing I quarrel with. Like, if you make all these moves, let's say it's traded everybody. Like, trade all these vets. You still have cousins? What kind of team do you actually have? You have a, you have a, a Minnesota Vikings team that's in the same predicament at the quarterback spot who has less good players at the other spots that you just traded it. Like, to me, Cousins is the crux of this whole thing, and it's either get rid of him and fi- and then start building around that and figure it out or, you know, kind of take your lumps because I don't think you're a better team if you trade all those players that we mentioned away or even one or two of them and still have your issue at quarterback. If you shred it to pieces 
and you acknowledge that 2021 is also going to be a rebuild type of season. Now, this is where your general manager and your head coach probably ain't coming yeah, along for fired, the ride. Yeah, they're fired at that point. But think about what the better thing to do is. Is is the better thing to rip it down to the bolts and say, Kirk Cousins, deal with it in 2021, brother, and draft a quarterback who will eventually take over for Kirk Cousins and aim for a couple of years out to fully rebuild this thing. That's probably the smarter approach than, hey, let's retool again next year. Go eight and eight. And here we come. The ghost saying, we told you we saw the future. Like that'll be us. Then it's better to rip it down to the bolts, I think. Um, I, it, well, they should. They, I mean, personally, I mean, and I know it's the hindsight. They should have done that this year. Yep. Not this half-assed rebuild that they yep. tried to do. You cannot go one foot in, one foot out on it, which, you know, that's what they realized. That is literally what they found out. You know, the, the silver lining of all this, they had some self-actualization for a change, and they realized, oh, wait, we're not good enough to do that. Mm-hmm. No team is good enough to go. Tell me one team that did a half rebuild, half all in, that it actually worked out. It doesn't work out. Commit. Nope. Commit to the rebuild. Um, you can start. You can honestly start doing it now. If you want to commit to the rebuild, yeah. go ahead and trade all those assets and think about moving cousins. That's what I mean. Like That's what yeah. I mean. If this week and next week, whenever, before the trade deadline, you move all those players, I think that the fans are actually kind of in. Like, all right. Yeah, seems it's like, okay. Out. Like, I think you honestly would just, like, take whatever you have the next 10 games, be like, yeah, we're not making the playoffs this year. Cool. But, like, we're set up for 2021 to go get, some, you know, if you have some high draft picks in there and you have some money to spend. Like, I think that would re-energize this fan base. But – we also have to realize people are trying to keep their jobs. Rick right. Spielman and Mike Zimmer are just like laying down and dying or retiring. And Gary's not out there like, I don't have the fastball anymore. Here you go, Clint. Right. You right. know, here's yeah, here's right. the here's the keys to the castle, and you call the plays. I'm resigning. Like people, like we've got to remember, this is still a business where guys are trying to keep their jobs yep. when it doesn't look, and they're going to do things that don't make sense. But that's the way that they have to do it of doubling down to be like, I wasn't wrong. This should work. So it's frustrating. I get it. But, like, that's the reality of the situation. It's a very frustrating one. Last thing is um, what percentage chance do you give something to happen after I post this podcast? Um, The minute I post it, I can post something. Yes, of course. What's going to happen? Honestly, I feel like by the time this goes up, there will not be any sort of removal from position. Um, I feel like if that was going to happen, it would have happened by now on Monday morning. Yeah. I, th- I think there's going to be a trade this week. I mean, if I'm picking something, I mean, that's the thing that makes the most sense. A deadline soon. Like, let's go for it. Like, let's, let's, let's just put it all out there. We will have the general manager on Thursday and plenty to discuss here on the show. So, Courtney, I thank you for all of the time, and um, you're a ghost now from the future. So I am a ghost from the future. A lot of power. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From spreads and totals to team and player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division championships, futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today. Take advantage. 
advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.